Welcome to this podcast from the Vessel Collective Church here in the heart of Texas. Our mission is to be vessels of the living Christ, set apart for His purpose and His kingdom. We thank you for sharing in this message here today. Amen. Thank you all so much for leading us in worship and good morning and welcome to the vessel. Thank you all for being here. I can't tell you how excited I am for the new year. Uh, I talked a little bit last week as our first Sunday of the year, but if you weren't here, um, I love the change of seasons and not just seasons as far as winter coming. And so I apologize for, for that because it's been really cold and now it's wet and not so cold again, but just the, the new year and the freshness that it comes with. And so uh, here at the vessel, one thing we've kind of done the last several years is begin our year with a little bit of casting vision. And, and not just vision as our church as a whole, but kind of the vision for the year of what we feel like God is calling us to do and what that means for our lives, what that means for our church, and how we respond to that. So last week, I kind of introduced what our elders and some of our leaders have kind of prayed through and landed on this fall as we, get, we began to look at what God was calling us to do and what he was calling us to um, put our hands to this year for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of our church. And it was this idea and this concept of build. And so I think as uh, we kind of introduce what it means to build, I think Lindsay has a slide for us on build. There it is. And so yeah, just as defined is to build, establish, or cause to continue. And so as we finished out last year, last year was our first full calendar year of doing ministry where we were gathering in one place. We launched before COVID and went home during COVID. And kind of last year, 2021, you marked the first year of us being a church and gathering on Sunday mornings. Um, and so as we looked this fall about this next year, what 2022 is going to hold for us, we kind of lay on this idea of build. And the Lord was really gracious and really kind during that process because not only did we begin to pray about what God was doing this year and what he was calling us to, but we also took that opportunity to kind of look back, to take a minute to like see in retrospect, hindsight being what it is, uh, looking back at what the Lord has done. And so last year, 2021 for us was really foundational. That's kind of what we realized is how foundational that was for us as a church and how what the Lord really did um, like post-COVID and that first year back was kind of lay a foundation of who we are as a church, what our identity is, uh, who, what our values are, what we're called to do. And so the Lord kind of laid this foundation. And it's funny, I mean, I think a lot of times when it comes to God, we have a tendency to make plans for our lives, to put all these things and these plans in place and our hopes and our dreams. And those are really invaluable and, and really important. We, we make these plans for our lives. Then we take those plans to God and we say, God, will you bless these plans that I have for my life? I have this vision. I have these hopes and I have these dreams. And this is what I want. This is how I've mapped it out. This is the way I want it to look. And then we take that to God and say, God, bless this. But anyone who's over the age of 16 in this room probably knows that that is not how life goes. Our plans and what our plans and hopes for our own life don't always go how we seem. And so a lot of, um, even for us as a church, when we plan out as a church, we have these hopes and dreams and plans. And, and really what we're called to do is submit ourselves and our lives and our church to the Lord. So as we looked back, we saw what the Lord did in 2021 and how he laid this foundation. And it was really cool to see. And so one of those things that kind of came out of that was our church at home ministry. 
was something that we never thought, hey, we should start some sort of online streaming platform. We were so far away from that. In fact, before COVID, we even had a conversation, hey, should we consider recording our services or streaming our services online? And definitively the answer was no, we're not ready for that. We don't have the people for it. We don't have the resources. We don't know what we're doing anyways, much less to be streaming it online. And then COVID hit and in about one weekend, we were like, oh, God does want us to stream online. And so birth our kind of our church at home ministry. And so thank you for joining us. Those who are online this morning, we know that there's a lot there uh, with COVID kind of coming back around and hitting our community hard right now. And so we're grateful for you being here. And so out of that, we kind of, I mean, we really kind of ticky tacked and stuck it together. And we went online during that time we bought the camcorder. And those who are online, obviously you can't see the camera that is recording you. Uh, recording the service and streaming this to you, but it is like the camcorder that your dad gets, like as a kid with a flip out and like, hey kids, what'd you get for Christmas? It is like the cheapest $200 only camera we could buy on the market when the world was coming to an end with the start of COVID. And so we're still streaming uh, on that camera and it has served us well for however long it's been. Um, but it's been so cool to see that God birth this platform and this church and home ministry. And there's been moments even since COVID this past year where we've had the conversation of like, do we continue? Is this something, I mean, we, we, our resources are scarce. Uh, we're this new kind of startup church and we need a lot of people in a lot of different places. And do we have the manpower to, to do this and to do this research? And every time we have that, that question, uh, the Lord is really good to give us this little picture or this little reminder of the ministry that's happening through church at home. So in, in memory of church at home, I wore, my, uh, I wore my rainbow rooster shirt. So back when we started COVID, somehow I wore this terrible rainbow rooster. It is a rooster that's painting a rainbow on my shirt. I wore it during a video and I got a lot of flack on it online. And so, you know me, I hate attention, even cheap attention. So I continue to wear it even this morning. And so I, I, I wore this shirt and this is not even a Goodwill shirt. Someone bought it from Goodwill, Melissa's older son, bought it from Goodwill and then was gonna give it back to Goodwill. And I pulled it out of a box. He was taking the Goodwill and I wear it all the time now. And so I got a hard time. So this is, I wore my Rando rooster shirt in memory of church at home. And granted it does, if you see it right, it has sparkles in the paint. I mean, it is, it is a bit much, but you know me, I don't mind uh, wearing an awful shirt. So that's for those who are at church at home. And if you're joining us online, I wanna encourage you to be active. Um, those things matter. Uh, being online is hard and it's not the same as gathering in the room. But if you're joining us through that ministry, we want you to take a moment to say hello, to welcome those around us, to interact. You can harass my shirt if you want. Like I said, I'm a sucker for cheap attention. Um, but uh, we want you to interact and be involved. We want you to share uh, what we're doing. And that goes for all of us, man. If you're on social media and you see the ministry that we're doing, we are trying to reach our community around us for the gospel. We want as many people to know about what God is doing through our church and through the vessel and bring people into this. That's part of what we're called to do to build is that the Lord wants to build and to grow his church. Last night, my uh, nine-year-old Keller was watching YouTube before bed and he was watching um, this YouTuber. His name was Preston Plays. Is that right, Keller? Yes, he threw his head back. He's, uh, yeah, Preston Plays. And he had this video that said, um, it said, how to steal diamonds from noobs in Minecraft. 
was their video. And I'm not even sure I fully understand what that means. I know some of the language in that. I don't know Minecraft. I might be a noob. And so you can steal diamonds from me if I ever play Minecraft. And it had 49 million views, 49 million views on how to steal diamonds from noobs in Minecraft. And so I know we have a measly, you know, 30 people joining us online probably this morning, but the more you share, the more people see it. And so that really matters. And so thank y'all for joining us online and participating and uh, for being there. So I'm excited to see the comments after church and thanks for being there. So as we've talked about what it looks like to build, uh, we, we kind of, our, our verse that we talked about last week and really the scripture that led our elders to come to this conclusion that this is what the Lord was asking. It's Psalm 127. It says, unless, those who, unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. And we prayed through that this fall and it really struck a chord with me and with us about what God was calling us to do. And so for the next several weeks through the end of this month, we're gonna be talking about what it means for us to accept that calling and to hear from the Lord, to build his church. And so uh, I'm gonna pray for us. We're gonna jump into scripture. If you wanna um, look, uh, start pulling that up, it's in, we're gonna be in Luke chapter 14 today, uh, kind of the end of that chapter, just a few verses. And we're gonna look at what Jesus talks about building and what it's gonna take for us uh, as a church to say yes to the calling to build and what we're gonna put our hand to this year in 2022. So if you would pray with me um, and we'll jump in. Lord, I thank you so much for uh, those who are out online this morning. Uh, God, we, we pray for those and, that are affected by COVID right now. We're grateful, for, Lord, that it seems um, like things are changing, like with this new variant that, that people aren't as sick. Uh, and we're grateful for that. But we lift up those that, that are and just ask, Jesus, would you uh, protect them? Would you heal them? Would you um, continue to bring an end to uh, this really hard time that we've been through? We know, Lord, and trust that none of this is outside your hand. Uh, and we put our faith and our trust in you. And so we seek you for that, Lord. Uh, I pray for this morning. I pray for those who are of us that are in the room, those of us that have found ourselves online, whether we're sick or whether we've stumbled across this on Facebook because someone shared it. God, would you just speak powerfully to us this morning? Would you soften our hearts? God, would you use your word uh, to speak to us? God, would you use me and activate my gifts and skills so that we can hear your heart for those who are around us? God, will we look at our neighbors differently after today in light of what you say in the gospel? God, will we realize and have a sense of urgency in what we're doing for your kingdom? God, will we see that it's not about us, but it's about you? God, would you continue to build your church here at the vessel, around our community and around the world? God, we thank you and we pray these things in your name. Amen. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 14 this morning. And Jesus is talking about building. He's talking to his disciples and there's, he's talking to a larger group of people. This isn't just a conversation that's happening behind closed doors. There's lots of Pharisees and there's lots of sinners and there's lots of people that have heard about Jesus that have come to hear this. And here's what he says in Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 27. Jesus says this, and whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. 
Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and he will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears, let them hear. So Jesus says these really bold and direct things here to this group of people that are listening. And so he talks about what it looks like to build and not, not just to build the church, but to build the kingdom of heaven which is what we are called to do as Christ followers. And so I've been pretty unapologetic uh, last week and for the next several weeks, but in the, I, I wanna do it in the most kind and gentle way possible to really give us a sense of urgency, responsibility, to not just hear God's word and to let it wash over us and be a good thing to reflect on, but then walk away from the mirror and forget. But for us to hear God's word and what he's calling us to do and for us to have some level, some way, a line in the sand to say, I'm saying yes to this. As your pastor, as the elders of your church, I don't wanna say yes for us. I want us all to really understand that God's calling is for us as a body of Christ collectively, but it's us, it's for every one of us individually. So as Jesus talks about this, as he says this to his disciples and to these greater group of people that are listening to them, he's asking them to consider things for their own lives in light of what they've been through and light of the journey that they've been and the light of where they come from. And I know every one of us has a story in this room. Every one of us has a past that didn't look how we planned it, that doesn't look pretty, that doesn't look the way that we think it should. And I want you to know that the Lord uses those things. The Lord uses that for his good. And so as we open up, I, I just wanna encourage you to really consider this for yourself today and for us as a whole. So the first thing, and we're just gonna kind of walk right through this and look at a few things for us to consider. And the first thing that, that, that Jesus says here, and the first thing I want us to consider uh, is to count the cost. So first thing in the scripture Jesus tells them to do is count the cost. In verse 28, he says, suppose one of you wants to build, that is our calling, that is our word, that is what God is calling us to do this, this year, to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? And this is more than just a financial cost. And while yes, he's saying to estimate the cost, it, 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 it reads beyond that. It's, it's calculating the idea of what is it going to take to build? <clears throat> to begin this building project. And so if you sit down to build anything, I don't care what it is, if it's, a, if it's a building project, if it's a church, if it's a business, if it's something in your home, you're gonna sit down first before you start, you know, wood and nails and tools, before you just start going at it, you're gonna estimate what is it going to take for me to build this? What is it gonna take? What is required of me? And you don't begin a building project without a plan. Why? Because it's gonna be garbage. If you start building without a plan and without considering what it's gonna take, what's required, without a plan in place, what you're gonna build is not gonna be sustainable. It's not gonna be good, it's not gonna be healthy. That's not how building works. And, and it, it, it comes with a plan. I think about uh, my kids get Legos for Christmas. We have kids in the room. And so any kids get Legos for Christmas? You can raise your hand. Claire Ledyard, I know you got Legos for Christmas. I know your dad got Legos for Christmas, okay? 
kids in the room and kids at heart got Legos for Christmas. And so Keller got the Mandal, not the Mandalorian, uh, I'm not a Star Wars, a Boba Fett ship. And it was like his biggest thing. And so he sat down and he gets the plans out and he begins opening the instructions and they're in different packets. He doesn't just look at the picture on the box and start assembling Legos. Right? He thinks, what is it going to take? What's required of me to begin putting this together? When I was in college, I did this. I began building without a plan. My brother and I, like college students sometimes do, we decided we're going to get chickens. So what's the first thing you do when you think you're going to get chickens? What's the first thing you do? You would think build a chicken coop. That's not what we did. First thing we did is went and bought chickens. That was step one. We want chickens, so you go buy chickens. So we get chickens and we get these chicks home, these chickens home. We think, oh, we need a coop. We need food. We need all these resources. So we built our chicken coop, we're poor college kids, out of garbage, literally trash that we had around our house. And it was the most pitiful, saddest chicken coop that ever lived. And so I can tell you that that doesn't work. And this is why wisdom and discernment matter in the church. This is why God promises that he will give us wisdom and give us discernment to understand what he's calling us to do. Because we can't just stand out and say, hey, we're gonna start wheeling a hammer and nails and start building whatever we want. We've gotta think, what is it gonna take for us as a church and for you in your life? What's it gonna take? And I am a, if you know me very well, or even if you don't, you can probably already assume, I am a ready, fire, aim kind of guy, right? Ready, fire, aim. And that is why we have elders. Because there's a lot of things I think we should do this. And we have an elder team that says, that's a great idea. What is it going to take? Let's sit down and let's estimate and count the cost. More literally, this verse says this, and this is a more literal translation. It says, for which one of you, this meaning, this is a question for every one of us. Jesus is asking this of his disciples and of the greater good. He says, for which one of you who wants to build a tower? So it's a question for every one of us first. Second of all, you've got to want it. For which one of you who wants to build a tower does not first sit down and calculate the costs to see if he has enough to complete it? The question is, do you have enough? Do you have what it takes in your life to do the will of God and what he's calling us to do? And here's the truth. The truth is that each, must, each one of us must sit down and evaluate our lives and what God is asking us to do. So this calling to build that's a question for every one of us. And I can't answer that question for you, but I wanna share this. The measure of a man is not what you have, but it's what you are willing to give away. When you consider, do you have what it takes? I'm not asking you to look at your life and say, do I have it? Do I have the skills? Do I have the expertise? Do I have the knowledge? Do I have the time? But it's asking yourself the question, am I willing to give it away. So the measure of a man is not what you have, but it's what you're willing to give away for the sake of others. Do you have what it takes? The secret is it's not about what you can do, but it's about what you're willing to let God do. What are you willing to allow the Lord to do in your life? When we talk about the Holy Spirit, when scripture talks about the Holy Spirit, that his word promises is in each one of us as a Christ follower, what he says is he describes the Holy Spirit as a person a person, just like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He describes the Holy Spirit as a person because the Holy Spirit is complete. That if you know Jesus, you've got it. You've got it. 
There's no more that you need than what is inside of you right now. The question is, are you willing to allow God to use it? Are you willing to say yes to really hard things? Because Jesus, the very spirit of God is right down deep inside of you as a Christ follower. So when I ask you that question, to count the cost, I'm asking you to ask yourself, am I willing to allow the Lord to use me? Because God is doing a work to build his church. I talked last week about it being a partnership, about that very verse in, in, in Psalm 127 says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain is a partnership between God and his people to build and to do the ministry of what he's calling us to do. It's not about you going off on your own. It's not about having an answer to every question or being an expert or looking beautiful on the outside. Let me tell you what, you can stand up in front of a group of people with the stupid rainbow rooster shirt on with no seminary degree, but say yes to God. Because I don't got it, but I have the Lord. And that's what he's asking each one of us. So counting the cost. The next thing to consider and to think about is a foundation alone is foolish. A foundation alone is foolish. If you remember last week, and as I mentioned before, 2021 was a year of God laying a foundation for the vessel. As we look back and we considered what is God doing? He, is, he was laying a foundation of what he wanted to do. We saw God bring people and put people in places and begin to breathe life and to use his spirit to minister to one another, to grow and to bring the right people in this place. And we saw God lay a healthy and a biblical foundation for this church in 2021. And this is what it says in verse 29. It says, for if you lay the foundation, if we look back at last year and say, the Lord has laid it. We've seen the Lord laying a foundation. For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you saying, this person began to build, but wasn't able to finish. Why build a foundation? You can look at any, like there's a housing development around the corner from me. Many of you have those in your community, in your neighborhood. As, they, as they're building homes, as they lay the foundation, why are they laying the foundation? For what purpose? to build upon. That is why the foundation is laid so that something can be built upon that. So we're not building chicken coops out of trash, right? Foundation are laid to build upon it. Otherwise, if a foundation just sits, it's not a house, it's a porch, right? Or a patio, that's it. We'll get lawn chairs and we'll sit out there and we'll bring a cooler on a nice day and we'll sit on the slab. But I'm telling you what the Lord wants to build in his church. This is not just the vessel. This is every church, but I'm telling you, this is the vessel. The Lord does not just want to build a foundation. He doesn't want to build a patio or a piece of concrete for nothing to happen. The Lord wants to build upon the foundation he laid. Jesus talks about this very concept in Matthew chapter 16. He famously says this to Peter. He says, and I tell you, that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. He says this, he says, on this rock, the word is Petras, Petras, it means rock on the foundation, on the solid rock, I will build. Literally the word means to build a house or to erect a building. 
my church is the word ecclesia. It's the word that we get the word church from, ecclesia, if you've heard it before. It's the first time in scripture that that word is ever spoken is out of the mouth of Jesus. And it literally means a gathering of people. And people say, oh, we don't need a church and we don't need a place and we don't need to come into a building. With, you know, because ecclesia, that's a gathering. All we're talking about is gathering. And yes, you can gather and we can have a church in a living room. You can have church in a steeple. You can even have church in a YMCA gymnasium or online through Facebook. But Jesus talks about building. He talks about building a structure, erecting something. He says, on this rock, I will build my church. And what is the foundation of the church to be built upon? When Jesus says, on this rock, what is the foundation that he's talking about? So if you know much about scripture and you know much about Peter, Peter's name used to be Simon and Jesus changed his name to Peter. Peter's name literally is, is Petro, which literally means the rocks. So way before Dwayne the Rock Johnson, it was Peter the Rock, the disciple, right? So Dwayne the Rock Johnson is not the original rock, but that's what the name that Jesus gives him is the rock. So Jesus says to Peter, he says, I tell you that you are Peter. Your name means the rock. You are the rock. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Is he saying that he's gonna build his church upon Peter? No. Because if you go back right before that, Jesus asked the disciples the question. He says, people say that I'm Elijah. People say that I'm a prophet. People say that I'm Jeremiah. People say that I'm John the Baptist. What do you say that I am? Who do you proclaim for that I am? Verse 14, they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, Jesus asked? Who do you say I am? And listen to what Peter says. Simon Peter, the rock, answers, you are the Messiah the son of the living God. You are the savior of the world, the one that was promised, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, bingo. That, the proclamation of the truth about who I am, on that truth, I will build my church. I've said this before and I've said it a million times. The gospel is not just a story to tell, it is a life to be lived. That we live the gospel in our lives as Christ followers. We don't just tell a good story are convinced people, we're not selling Tupperware, we live the gospel out. Here's the truth, the foundation that Jesus laid here at the vessel is the foundation of the gospel and not just the story of the gospel, it's the life of the gospel. We talk about the Lord laying stones and building a foundation, the rock, that's you. The gospel is your life. It is what we're called to do to live a story out. That's what he's saying about Peter. In Acts, the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes and the gospel is proclaimed for the first time, who's the one that speaks? Peter, the rock. He stands and he professes the gospel and 3,000 people were baptized that day. 3,000 people, the Lord began to build his church and he's doing the same thing here. We live lives of the gospel. It's not just a message story, but the living gospel in our lives. And that's what the Lord is doing here. In 1 Peter, Peter goes back to this very idea and says this in 1 Peter chapter two. He says, you, Jacob Parker, 
Sharon Lee, Nick Gonzalez, Shay Shay, who's online. You also are like living stones built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So that's what Peter says. You yourself is our living stone being built into the house of God. That's what the Lord wants to do. That's what it means to be built. I want you to know that you're foundational, that your life is foundational, that the gospel living in you matters. And this should give you a sense of urgency. I hope that this gives us a sense of urgency in our lives to chase after Jesus. And it says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. That no matter what happens in this world, no matter what happens in 2022 or 2023, whether it's COVID or Betty White died or whatever you think is gonna be awful, no matter what happens, the gates of hell will not overcome his church because his church are you and I. And he is, wants to build his church up. That a foundation alone is foolish. And if we stop now, we will be ridiculed. And I'm not saying that we should build his church so that we're not embarrassed. I'm saying we should build his church because it matters. And the last thing is this, is to consider the price of war, the price of war. This past March, uh, my um, sister-in-law uh, and her family and brother-in-law were in Hawaii. Shout out to Nick and Brittany. I know they're watching online this morning, participating through Church at Home. And so we went and saw them, visited them in Hawaii, and we went to and saw the USS Arizona in Pearl Harbor. And man, if you ever get to go to Hawaii, you should skip a beach day and go do that. It's so cool. And so they have a museum there and all this information about how the United States got into World War II, and they even talk about the, the, the atomic bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima and the decision to do that. And you read it and you hear the stories and you realize that, that this decision to drop this bomb and to take the lives of hundreds of thousands of people was not taken lightly. And man, there was a price to be paid for this decision that they make. And Jesus touches on this very thing in verse 31. And I don't mean to be heavy. I just mean to be honest with what Jesus says. He says, there's suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one who's coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. I talked last week about us having a healthy view of what God has called us to do in our lives and to be the living gospel is like fighting a war. And sometimes that we live in the, the safest time and place in the history of the world where no, we don't wake up today and worry about a war, a battle. And sometimes I think as Christ for us, that's to our detriment even that scripture in the Psalm 127 talks about children being like arrows in a quiver, ready for battle. And David, who wrote those words, Solomon, who he wrote them to, war and battle was a part of their lives. And we as Christ followers, don't, we need to remember that we are in a battle, that we're in a war every single day. And it's not against flesh and blood. It's not against those who don't know Jesus, those who may be of a different religion or a non-believer, 
that's not who we're fighting against. That's who we're fighting for. It's not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. And we've got to have this idea that there's a price to war and the price is our lives. Here's the truth. Following Jesus is going to cost you something and it's more than just a little something. It's gonna, it's gonna cost something in your life. There's a price to be paid. And Jesus doesn't mince words here. In verse 27, when he starts and talks to them, he says this, he says, and whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Carry their cross. What do you think that means? What does it mean to carry a cross? Because I promise you, they knew what it meant. They knew what it meant. Who carries a cross? A criminal? What type of criminal? One that's to be executed. That's the only one carrying a cross. Cross is a torture device. And during this time, just like Jesus did, they carry their cross to their crucifixion, to their execution. How cruel is that? And we glorify the cross. I mean, I'm, I'm grateful for the symbol and what it means for the church. And then we can put it on steeples and then we can tattoo it on our bodies and did whatever it, it may be and the symbol that it means for us. But when Jesus said these words, they weren't wondering what he meant. Like it's clear on what he meant. He says, unless you're willing to carry your torture device to your execution, you can't be my disciples. It's going to cost you something. And here's part of the problem. I think part of the problem today is that sometimes we present the gospel too lightly in order to make it more digestible for people. We water down the gospel. We say, man, Jesus loves you and it's gonna be great. And you should, you should give your life to Christ. And all those things are true. But I want you to know Jesus wants all all of you, that it costs you something that's giving your life to Christ. And as Christ was, that's what we're called to give is our life to Jesus so that he, because he gave his for us. Because by laying down our lives and taking up our cross, we're dead in our transgressions and we're raised to life, life eternal, forgiveness of our sins so we can live these lives for Jesus. And this is a much larger problem, this idea of us watering down the gospel it's a much larger problem than we realize. And Christian culture today is toxic with this 2% gospel that, man, if I put a sticker on my car and I listen to K-Love, and man, grateful for stickers on our car. Vessel stickers at the back, you should put it on your decal on your window. You can pick them up free on your way out. If you're, yeah, no, we don't charge. Online, we can ship them to you, right? Grateful for stickers and grateful for K-Love. Scott Marshall, grateful for Caleb. Amen, man. Seriously, grateful for stuff like that. But it's more. It's more than that. Trying to fit, trying to fit Jesus into your life does not work. It's like trying to fit a bonfire into your home. It consumes everything. We, we don't fit Jesus into our lives. We give our lives and everything is consumed by Christ. So I wanna ask you the question and consider this when you consider the price of war, price for your own life. For you, where's the line? Because you consider your life, where's the line? Is it the line of inconvenience? Like, 
like line of inconvenience. I'm willing to go up to that line, but as, as soon as following Jesus is inconvenient, that doesn't fit with my schedule, the Cowboys are playing. Who cares about the Cowboys? The Cardinals are playing today. They're going to the playoffs. They beat the Cowboys yesterday. It's, as soon as it doesn't inconvenience my life, I can do that. I can follow Jesus up to the line of inconvenience. Okay, so maybe I'll step across the inconvenience line. Maybe it's, I'll walk up to the line of uncomfortability. I follow Jesus, even if it's inconvenience, I'll serve once a month, begrudgingly I'll go and I'll set up chairs and Lilo, I'll be inconvenienced, but I don't wanna be uncomfortable. I wanna be around people that are like me, people that don't challenge me, people that don't push me. I don't wanna tell anyone about Christ. I don't wanna be uncomfortable for Jesus. Uncomfortable for Jesus. Maybe it's beyond that. Maybe you're like, okay, I'll be a little uncomfortable, but I don't want to cost my wallet. I don't want to cost me. I don't want to be a financial burden on my life. And I, I, that's my line. Or maybe it's beyond that. It's, it's my kids. And I love Jesus, but not as much as I love kid, my kids. You know what Jesus says in Luke chapter 14, right before this? You should go read it. That's a whole other sermon series about hating your own life and that we won't get into today. Or is the line your actual life? Like I'm willing to risk it all. I'm willing to do the video that's on our screen and what our missionaries are doing. I texted with one of our missionaries this morning. I said, hey, man, the Lord put me on your, uh, on, put you on my mind, on my heart, and I'm praying for you. And he's like, man, I need it. Here's a laundry list of things that are going on and it's hard. And they've given up their life to go help the gospel reach unreached people on the other side of the world. For me, the times of greatest testing in my life have been during these moments, moments that these things have been tested and have been put to the fire, stepping into ministry away from, and I know I'm self-deprecating, right? It's a defense mechanism, but I loved teaching and coaching and what I did and I was good at it. And stepping away from that and into ministry, it was one of those lines, what am I willing to do? Starting the vessel, and we had this church through ACF and man, are we willing, like, is that the line? Like, like, where's the line? And to step across that line financially, you can ask Lindsay and Martha and anyone that's serving our finance team, man, we've had hard conversations about money here at the vessel. And what do we do? Those lines test us. And for the most powerful moments of my life have been these times and they've been the most powerful and the most transformational for me is when those lines have been challenged, when I've been willing to step across the line of inconvenience, the line of uncomfortability, the line of my finances and my what, the line of my, my children, the line of my life. And I want you to know, I'm praying that for me. I'm praying that for me. That is my quiet time. I'm saying, Lord, I want, I want more. And so what is the line for you? As we close, I want to close just with this, this Last thing, and the last thing is this idea of, of our call to be salty, to be salty. I was talking with TJ this week and we talked about like dad, old, old man, like salty old man strength. I wouldn't know. I'm saying other old men might know. It says this in verse 34, salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Is it fit? It's fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears, let them hear. To be salty is the very nature and the purpose of salt. If it's not salty, is it even salt anymore? 
And it says, scripture says it's good for nothing. So and the same is true for a Christian. If the very nature of salt is to be salty, then the very nature of a Christian is to be like Christ. If not, then what are we good for? How can we have purpose for Christ? So I'll leave you with these. I want you to have four conversations this week, four conversations this week. I want you to do this. The first is to have a conversation with God. Have a conversation with God. I asked you the question early, do you have what it takes? And this is a question for you and God to ask. To end your quiet time when you're alone with Jesus to ask that question. Lord, do I have what it takes? Am I willing to do what you're asking me to do? And now honestly ask that question of the Lord. The second is to have a conversation with iron. Every one of us have people in our lives that are sharpening us. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And who are the people in your life, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your small group, whether it's the people that you're closest with, whoever is sharpening you as a Christ follower to have a conversation with them to say, hey, what do you, what do you think? What do you think about this? If you need to have that conversation in the car ride home with your spouse, if you need to put the kids to bed tonight and have it then, if you need to call up a friend, I want you to have that conversation. Hey, I just want to tell you, this is what the Lord put on me. If you're in a small group, if you're one of our men's discipleship groups, if you're in our women's Bible study, to have a conversation with your, the iron that's in your life. Third is to have a conversation with your church. That's the vessel. Here at the vessel, share where you are. Let us know with your elder, with me, with whoever's leading you here at the vessel and the ministry that you're serving on, your small group, to talk to them about it and tell them where you are. For some of you, that conversation may be, hey, I need to pull back in some areas so I can focus here. Logan Parker. But to have a conversation with your church. Lindsay, do we have the slide for that Vessel Family Gathering? Right now, you can go and for the, we're having our very first kind of all church family gathering on Saturday, Friday, January 28th from 7 to 9 p.m. It's gonna be an evening where we have a meal together, we break bread and we talk about vision and we answer some of these questions. And this is for you if you consider the vessel your home by going to this, by signing up, by RCPing, you're saying this is where God's called me to the vessel. This is my church and I want you to be there. So, and I, people have already emailed me that aren't gonna be able to make it and we'll update you, but we want you to, to be there for that. And we're gonna have a lot of these conversations about here's what God's calling us to do and here's what it means for our lives. Thank you, Lindsay. And the last is this, is to have a conversation with your neighbor. It's, man, we don't build the church if we don't tell people about the church, if we don't tell people about Jesus. I want you to know I had two conversations this week. I invited two people that I had deep relationship with in my life to church, two neighbors. Both of them shot me down, right? I've known these people for years. One of them says, yeah, maybe. I was like, hey, so-and-so, do you want to come to church with us? Like sometime, man, we'd love to bring you to church. And yeah, like maybe like as the garage door is closing, you know, I know it's hard, but have a conversation with your neighbor. You don't need some 10-week discipleship evangelism course to know how to love someone and they're right there. They live next door in the, in the cubicle, in the bedroom down the hall, your neighbor on your street, someone is in your life. 
have those conversations this week. If you would, let's stand. I'm going to pray for us. Thank you for joining us through church at home. And I'm going to leave you with the first verse of chapter 15. As you know, scripture doesn't, you know, when this was originally written, there were no verses and chapters and all that. After Jesus says these really hard things, after Jesus says all of these really difficult things to these people, listen to this in Luke 15, chapter one. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawn near to him. And when Jesus told this to these people, these listeners, they were drawn to it. I promise you what our world needs is a gospel, a gospel that is different. Thank you for joining us this morning for our service. We are publishing content throughout the week for Church at Home through our social media and website. For more information, visit www.vessel.church.